Hey, welcome to the Jungle Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Joey, and today I'm joined by Ryan Jackson, one of the young up-and-coming coaches here at Jungle Botany, to talk about his transition from full-time concreter into full-time movement guy and coach. Uh, Really cool chat, and one of the big things that we notice with anyone that is wanting to transition into coaching, the PT game, whatever you want to call it, is that moving out of your old career is always a challenge because you come from stability, finances and routine and all that sort of stuff. And then you move into this new gig, relative instability, no security. And so it's a big jump. And I've spoken with a lot of people over the years that have that have had uh, mixed levels of success with this. Some that have never made the jump purely because the, the, the risk is too great. But um, yeah, I hope you find this chat inspiring. And uh, if you are someone that is, you know, sort of about to embark or perhaps have recently embarked on the coach's journey hopefully this can give you some practical tips while we're talking coaching we have our coaches intensive coming up it's on the 27th to the 28th of may that's a weekend it's here at jungle botany two full days facilitated by me covering all of the key skill sets you need to be a world-class coach i strongly stand by everything we cover in this course it's the same course that we've used to prepare all of the coaches that work out of our gyms Um, and I believe a course like this can be the difference between you being okay mediocre at what you do and you being world-class so without blowing too much smoke you know my own direction I I strongly stand by all the content in this course and I would love to see you there if you're interested you can get in touch with me to talk about enrollment joey at junglebrothers.com and I'd love to have, have chat with you further about it on to today's episode with Ryan Jackson It's only 60 minutes. So, you know, I, I suppose the way to look at it is if you're a fraud, you'll be exposed. Exposed, big time. Yeah. For the yeah, first five minutes probably, right? <laughs> Mate, um, could you – I've known you for a while, but you've been pretty newly recruited here at JB's. Mm. What we say before, six months that you've, that roughly, you've been here working here for? Roughly give or take. I've been travelling up from Wollongong week in, week out now for about six months, yeah. Sick. Could you sort of tell me – Tell me how you got here, like how because you've made that change from coming up from Wollongong, which for people who aren't local, that's a couple of hours south, yeah, or hour and a bit, hour and a bit, yeah, um, yeah. How did that happen? Well, I had been doing a little bit of work down there, or trying to break off the tools for a while, but um, things just didn't quite work out the way I'd hoped they would down there. And having some connections up here with Dills and Kyron, Kyron's one of my best mates since I was twelve years old, so I had a pretty solid connection there of um, breaking into the community getting to know people which was how'd yeah. you how'd you guys go back so far did you grow up out yeah we actually grew up in southwest sydney together okay we went to Goulburn high school together when we were like 12 years old so that's why he's such a rough cunt <laughs> <laughs> yeah right i appreciate that <laughs> brutal honesty joey <laughs> but yeah yeah we, we grew up in, in the southwest city slums i guess you could say and um I was just really lucky to have that connection because I, I knew I wanted to break off the tools and get into a career that's more meaningful and purpose-driven, but um, finding a way to do it when I was so used to... I was like an old dog, an old dog stuck in his ways, you know? Been running my own business as a tradesman for five, six years and the idea of 
breaking out of what was so comfortable and convenient, even though it's fucking hard work, it was um, just didn't know where to start. And Corin sort of gave me that first bit of leeway to say, hey, I think the guys up here are interested and they would love to have you here. You've got a lot to offer. And one thing rolled into another and here I am, six months down the track. Right on. Yeah. Um, so on the tools, tell us what you were doing prior. I left school when I was 14 because my, my old man caught me jigging school, um, catching a train out to Cronulla, surfing every day. And he was like, man, you can't go nowhere in life. If you're not going to go to school, you got to come to work and do something. So I just stepped straight into the first thing that was there and that was concreting and structural landscaping with my old man, fresh out of, didn't even finish year 10. <laughs> right on. And um, by the time I was 18, I had done my trade, got certified in concreting, structural landscaping, and then started my own gig at 21. Started my own business, bought a truck, and was out on my merry way. But um, learned quite quickly that it wasn't a sustainable lifestyle. Having so much money being poured into your hands, like cash as well, cash market tradies, having that be a privilege at such a young age, I didn't know what to do with it. And I, I wasted it, pissed it up the wall, you know? As we and, do. Um, yeah. And I think having that ability to generate such a large amount of money at a young age, I took it for granted. And as you can imagine, um, being a party boy and stuff like that, I was as well. I tended to just throw it all away and take it for granted, which led to me taking my health for granted as well. And um, that being combined with such a physically taxing and demanding job out in the sun, like you would know, bend over, breaking your back all day, concreting. Is, is concreting um, like pouring concrete, slabs, all that kind of stuff? But is it, are you also working like jackhammers and shit? Yeah. Like a bit of demo work? The whole lot, bro. Yeah. So right. I was even doing a bit of excavation as well. Yeah. I'd be involved in excavating, installing stormwater drains, um, doing pools, like yeah. pool surrounds, water features, all kinds of shit. Basically, whatever got through, thrown my way. Yeah. Um, a good analogy, I guess, is that like, you get some health professionals that just stick to their powerlifting and that's all they coach. I think you might get some guys that do a bit of lifting, they do a bit of stretching, a bit of handstands, and then they, they might do a bit of zentai, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of actually reflecting now. When I was a tradie, I would do a bit of paving, a bit of concrete, a bit of fencing, a bit of drainage, and now I'm kind of repeating that same, that same pattern by getting involved in different aspects of the broader industry of health and fitness, you know? Yeah. Mm. And so those like those things that you were doing, structural structural landscaping, concreting, and you were saying like, you know, a bit of pool stuff, is that common that someone in that industry is doing all of those things or was that sort of unique? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Okay. I think I actually took that habit on trait after my father because my dad growing up was always renovating the house, pulling things apart and redoing things. Like we had a soundproof music studio that he converted the double garage into and the guy was just always doing DIY projects from home every weekend essentially when he wasn't working and getting me to help him in the process so I think from a young age I kind of was like if you've got to if you've got a set of hands and a brain behind you you can work it out and yeah. I like that challenge of I haven't done this but I want to learn how to do this just to prove that I can do it yeah so I was always that guy where like if it rained for a month you couldn't concrete but someone said hey I need a fence done shit yeah I'll do a fence because I get paid yeah where if you just accept that it's been raining for a month and you can't make money, then you go broke, you go backwards, right? So you turn to alter alternates to make an income. That was sort of the, the relationship that I think I developed with dabbling in so many different things. And I'm super grateful for it now because the principles, my dad actually used to use this saying, 
I never understood it. I remember one of the first jobs we did together when I was like 14. Do me a favor, just get that a bit more in front of you or move yeah, over. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. Legend. Yeah, um, one of the first things I remember my dad saying to me when I first got out of school was, everything's a means to an end. And I remember he left me on this job one day and he told me to pull apart this stormwater line and put these drains in. I'd never done it before, never used a tool before. And he's like, I'm going for a drive. I'll be back in a few hours, have that done. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I've never done this. I don't know what to do. don't know where to start. And he made that point, like, everything's a means to an end. Think about the finished product and work backwards from that in means of steps that will incrementally bring the project together, right? <coughs> and I didn't know what it meant many years ago, but as I'm getting older, I'm realising it applies to everything. If you want to be able to do a deadlift and you don't understand the concept of hinging or engaging the lats or whatever it might be, you break apart the deadlift into incremental sequences of movements train them individually then put them together same with press handstand right the push the compression the things that you pull apart to make the bigger thing and that um that principle that i learned from a young age has actually applied to everything i'm doing now even the way i'm structuring my life my lifestyle it's pretty awesome wow mm. so he threw you in the deep end a bit shit yeah <laughs> see that that's you know that sounds pretty um was he just being irresponsible or was he one of those guys that was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach my boy a lesson here? Yeah. Like, reckon, was that intentional? I reckon it was probably a combination of the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty hard on me, but at the same time, um, just that generation, bro. My dad's nearly 60 now, you know, and I think most guys from that age are like, you know, there's no, no sign of weakness to be shown. You work until you physically can't work anymore and then you stop. Yeah. We don't eat lunch here. We don't drink. Um, we don't like. We don't drink water. We might have a couple of beers. You can imagine. Con yeah. Concrete or like coffee or something. Yeah, yeah. First um, brekkie of the morning, black coffee and a smoke. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Essentially, that was just one of the biggest principles that I, I took from my entire career in trade. That like, you if you focus too much on the big picture of like even people that want to make body comp goals if you focus on i want to be here in 12 months you get too fixated on that end goal you can lose sight of what smaller principles bring that big goal together and it's a lot of stuff that you and dills preach here about in business development too it's um it's all very relevant i feel it's interesting um yeah talking about that the, that generation of our our fathers there I find when I hear someone talking about, um, you know, you often hear people, you know, my you, you hear it a lot with with Americans. I find when Americans are talking, you know, my father always taught me. My mm. father always said, you know, he taught me to, to you know, and you and I always think, oh wow, like my dad never sat me down and gave me life lessons, or never, like you know, like I learned plenty from him. Yeah. But there, I don't think there was ever a deliberate attempt to actually go, hey boy. I want to pass something on to you right now and this is important yeah, right. like hear this so i always just question that when when someone comes when it comes up like was that an intentional thing from them or was it more just that you gleaned that lesson from yeah. that experience with them yeah i must admit i don't think i ever had my hand held and said you know like here take this tool and do this this way it was more so go fucking do that go, go get that done <laughs> fucking sort it out yeah and it's like well how do i do that you'll fucking work it out just think use your head son you know and um, I did. I worked it out, you know. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, it was definitely a, an indirect way of learning. Yeah. It was more so watch me, watch as I do and you will learn as I do rather than um, giving me direct guidance. And I think that's, that's just as effective, right? Some people learn better 
from listening versus watching. Some people learn better by doing versus watching or listening. Yeah. Some people just got to get in there and have a go to, yeah. to do it. And I think that comes down to the individual. But yeah, I've definitely learned as, um, as I've learned a strength, I believe in watching and just doing opposed to listening too much, getting my hands on things and getting there and having a crack. That's definitely the way I learned to evolve. And it's been a long time too, you know, like 14, now I'm 27 this year. Um, Hold bro. Oh yeah, bruh. but bruh, I feel old. It's almost over, really. Being out in the sun since you're 14, breaking your back. I mean, you know, I, I wanted to dive into this as well, but I think one of the reasons I've become so passionate about health principles and um, investing in yourself for longevity is because I, I did have a lifestyle for a long time that didn't serve or even consider an investment of my personal health. It was very much like, this job is hard and it sucks, so I want to gratify myself in any way possible when it's over so I don't have to think about doing it again tomorrow. And that was my life on repeat for a long time. And I think that definitely took a toll, you know, at a young age. Not a lot of 15-year-olds drink piss every day at work in the sun and don't stay hydrated. But that's something that I did, you know, um, until I learned, until I learned that it wasn't sustainable and it was like essentially running me into the ground. And um, I think taking those... You know, there's a lot of guys that never break out of that pattern. There's mm -hmm. a lot of tradesmen that are still drinking every day till when they go to bed at night yep. in their 60s and they never got off the tools and have the ability to self-reflect. And I feel really grateful that I went through that at a young age and um, to have that realisation before I'm 30 and have an opportunity to reverse or even, um, you know, kind of put effort in restoring my health. Why not? share those principles and values that I've learnt and um, be able to use them as an advantage of helping other people. That's, that's something I've become very passionate about. Whether that means teaching people how to stretch or get strong or even just get clear on what it is they want to do and why they want to do it for themselves, not um, the external influence of why or maybe their parents influence them to do something opposed to them wanting to do it for themselves or pursuing something out of an insecurity because they don't feel like they can do the thing they really want to do, which I'm sure we can all relate to on some regard, you know? That's mm. like a big part of who I am as a coach, as a person. When did you, so 14, you left school, started doing the thing, 21, you bought the truck, started your own business. Mm. When did you get into the training piece? That's actually another story in itself, Joe. Mate, but, um, I'm here for the stories. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're all here for, right? Um, I had a car accident when I was 23. I was like a young surfer, long blonde hair, skeggy guy, you know, um, listening to me rock music and heading out to festivals, getting on the piss every weekend. Just as a nutshell, that's, that was me in my earlier 20s. Um, didn't really do anything physical other than my work. I, and I love that you make it sound like it was like eons ago. It was four years ago. But, but bro, bro <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago. Four now, years ago eh? is like a yesterday for me. Yeah, but for, for, for me, it's, like, it's literally like a lifetime, hey? Because the, the lifestyle that I was living, the people I was with, the things I was doing with my time and energy only a short four years ago does not resemble a single glimpse of what I'm doing now. Right, Completely it's been a lot of change. Person. Yeah, well, change of environment, change of community, um, change of personal values, the way I eat, the way I think, my relationship with myself. You know, I'd never paid attention to the way I breathed when I was 21. And now it's something I fixate on on a daily basis. And that, that's transformative, right? Um, but yeah, long story short, I had a big car accident when I was 
20, I think it was 22, 23, I rode off my van and um, had a pretty serious injury. I had like multiple, I think it was seven, seven individual fractures to my right foot, my cuboid, first, second, third, better tarsal, broke my nose and completely like rode off my car and destroyed another car that I had to pay for, no insurance. And um, yeah, that kind of set me up for a, a journey rehabilitating I wasn't aware of at the time, you know. I remember when I got out of the car, like, I got pulled out by the fire brigade. I went to go stand up and walk to the side of the road, just fell to the ground and I was like, oh shit, and I think I've sprained my ankle, hey. And they're like, man, just go sit down and wait till the ambulance gets here or whatever. And um, my shoe was on hell tight and I remember like, I couldn't even get my laces undone because it was so tight. Because the foot had swollen yeah, up. But in yeah. my head, I, I had no idea, you know just like naive, full of adrenaline. And once they cut my foot open, bro, it was just, yeah, it was a total mess. Like my foot was a total mess. And um, I had to go in for corrective surgery and have a whole bunch of plates and screws and fusions done inside my foot, which led me to, um, I was in a cast and a moon boot, didn't bear weight on my foot for about eight months. So um, when I finally did start walking again, like I'd experienced total atrophy of the right leg and didn't really understand how to, bear weight or engage my right hip to any degree, especially through movements like surfing or squatting or concreting. I just couldn't do it. I just leaned into one side. I had no ability to engage that side of my body. And I think that became a fixation then because everything I once loved and took for granted, I couldn't do with ease anymore. I'm like, why why do I have to think about how to walk? Usually just get up and walk. You know, it's like, oh, I want that. I'll go walk to get it. And now I'm like, oh, fuck. How do I walk? How do I do this efficiently without being in pain? And um, having to relearn something as simple as walking completely changed my relationship with my body. So after a while of like trying to just bounce back and not pay attention to rehab because I would rather just do what was convenient and easy and um, so try and swirl around it and cut corners, I learned quite quickly, oh, fuck, I'm actually going to have to put in the effort to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to be like this forever. And... I became pretty fixated on wanting to rehabilitate to the, the maximum that I could. But I had, I've had i had permanent fusions done in the arch of my foot, so there's some level of mobility I probably won't ever get back because of the fusion that's been done and the, the work they've done inside there. Um, but, yeah, that having that injury set me up, I guess, to build a deeper level of awareness of what was going on inside my body and how I use my body to function on a daily basis. Um, on a physical level and just by getting hooked on rehabilitating and feeling out of pain again I started to realize wait I'm actually feeling better than I felt before I had the accident now I remember actually I tried to learn how to stand up surf before I had the accident I could never learn and I ended up mastering how to stand up surf after I had this work done to my foot and had to learn how to walk again wow so to me that was huge I'm like fuck I'm never gonna learn how to surf before I had the accident because I just sucked and then I actually ended up learning to surf and mastered it after having all this work and then i was like well if i can do that what else can i do and then that learned to like i was powerlifting a bit because you know when you're a younger bloke i still am joey we get that <laughs> but young guys they're like they associate health and gym or fitness with just lifting weights yeah. those guys just go straight to weights that was where i started i was lifting weights out of a powerlifting gym in campbelltown which was pretty cool and i had a lot of what guidance. was the name of that place PTC MacArthur, uh-huh. yeah, a guy, um, Abed Moe and Corey Pokinghorn, a couple of mates from back there. 
actually both competed in the Australian Strongman. I'm pretty sure. Okay, they're, cool. Yeah, yeah, they're actually legends. But um, that's where that's where I started, just because I didn't really know what else to do or where else to go, and I had a few recommendations from friends, and it was sort of just like a, I'll do this the past the time because I don't want to go back to my old habits kind of thing, and then, I thought, yeah, fuck, what else can I learn to achieve? And then I, I conquered the handstand out of um. I was heavily inspired by this yogi slash professional bodyboarder, Louis Finnegan from WA, this young cat. And he'd, um, he'd broken his back a few times when he was in his early 20s surfing. And I watched him go from breaking his back to then mastering one-arm handstands and just moving incredibly. And being a bodybuilder. No, bodyboarder. Oh, bodyboarder. Big wave bodyboarder. Uh-huh, okay. I like, was like, fuck, that's a unique combo. Nah, like, yeah, like big wave, big wave surfer, um, boog rider, but... Just super Boog impressive. Rider. Yeah, Essie lid rider, bruv. Yes, bro. But um, yeah, just an absolute crazy inspirational human to watch what he went through and how he pushed himself and overcome so many injuries and moves better than 90% of the population, you know? And I was like, fuck yeah, man. Like, that's easy. I want to be that guy. So I committed to learning a handstand, sucked balls at first for a good six months. And now I've like, you know, I've ticked off a few big things within that and um, still aiming to keep moving forward with my practice there. I think now that I've committed to coaching and changing careers, that's sort of stripped back as much time and energy I had available when I was concreting. Because when I was concreting, I had this tendency to work hard for a week, make five or six grand, and then just have a week or two off and train and surf and live this mad life. Yeah. But it wasn't sustainable long-term, right? Whereas now I'm learning to balance, okay, week to week, how can I make a good wage, get in the water, do my breath work, do my stretching, get a good session and have a balanced lifestyle week to week rather than having this week on week off life. Yeah. You know, that's called, that's sort of been the, the inspiration for me. But um, yeah, ever since I've, ever since I've come into like full-time coaching and I'm making that transition, I've sort of toned back a little bit on how much I push myself to make gains quickly. I'm more understanding and being humbled by, ah, this is a long-term game. Like if I want to get a one-arm handstand, I can't expect that's going to happen in six months while I'm doing all this other shit now because you just don't have the time and energy to put into it, right? Yeah. And that's um, getting a, a lot more clear, being humbled by these things, most certainly. Would you say with the... So it was the car accident that got you into the training primarily? It got me into... It got me into um, building a, a deeper relationship with my body. I feel like I didn't identify with my body at all. Did you did you frame it in your mind in that that way back then? Because saying it like the way you put it, I think you know you're a very thoughtful guy. Mm. I would say you're, you know, you're 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 quite exceptional in that way, thoughtful beyond your years. And you get you obviously put a lot of like you think a lot about these yeah. things. And yeah, so, <laughs> did you think about it like then, like back then? Were you like, oh, I don't have a relationship with my body, or yeah. were you like, I'm fucked. I need to get big, or I need to. You know, uh, I, I think initially it had nothing to do with being big. It was like, holy shit! I was never aware of the fact that I, I just walked around and took my my body awareness for granted. Yeah. I didn't think about my body ever. Uh, even if I was in pain, I was like, oh fuck, my back hurts a bit. But what would you do? What can you do for that? I never would have even thought to do something for that. But once it came to a point where it was um, inhibiting and limiting my ability to perform in basic day-to-day tasks i was like shit okay this is a problem it's a problem that needs to be solved quick because i'm so young and that's always been the driving factor 
I think initially it was just getting back to a point of baseline health. Once I reached that and even started um, exceeding that because of the, the yoga practices and things I was doing, I was drawn towards wanting to challenge myself in seeing how far I could push beyond baseline health. Yeah. Like what can I, what can I exceed or uh, what can I excel in beyond just feeling good and being outside of pain? Like learning to handstand is something that's incredibly hard and it takes a lot of resilience. I'm sure you've been through that journey yourself and learning it um, at 24 versus a young kid that learns at six years old, very different path. And for me, that was um, a combination of challenging myself mentally having resilience and um, I guess with certain elements of health practices you can cut corners to get results like you know we all know that you can use gear and there's supplements you can use to get places faster if you really want to but try apply that to handstands it doesn't work you have no choice but to do the real work yeah there's no there's no corners to cut and there's nothing to hide behind you know there's no secret stories there I mean there are corners to cut it's called calisthenics (laughs) In regard to what? Wow. They, you know, pumping out low quality fast handstands and, you know. But, you know, like seeing it. Uh, it's it. a joke though, but I, I'm more I'm more sort of pointing to the, the quality piece there. Yeah. That, that goes into, yeah, when you really want to, not, you, know, you could say master, but when you really want to own that skill and you want to own it to a to a high degree, yeah, there's no, there's there's nothing you can do besides do the work. Yeah. And, and it's funny because that, that same principle does very much apply to life you know you can you can have people that are preaching that like yeah man i'm going to the gym and like i'm feeling good but then you watch the way they move and they feel like shit and they're hurting but it's like you can say the story you can tell whatever story you want but at the end of the day the proof is in the pudding you know yeah like you can preach that oh yeah like i really want to start surfing and i've I've been getting in the water a bit but then the next time you see them in the water they can't stand up it's like have you really been surfing you know and i think I had a bit of a tendency to do that when I was younger, but I realized it got me nowhere. And, um, you know, I think... To not actually commit to things and see it through? Tell yourself that you're committing more than what you really are yeah. to make yourself feel validated and better yeah. about how shit you really feel for not doing the work, you know? Yeah. Um, but then you actually look at the polar opposite end of that when you do apply the work and you see the results being... Um, the results fruiting and being yielded. It's, it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding to know that, holy shit, I applied myself to something I didn't think I was capable of and now the results are coming and I'm, I'm living and embodying that practice. That's just like, I think that's the, the purpose of life, Brian, in a nutshell, to evolve, to challenge ourselves, see what we can, um, see, see how far we can push ourselves in means of developing as individuals and like being able to offer and share that with a broader community and impact people's lives in a positive way. It's just... It's something that I think I'll be pursuing till the day I'm gone. It's just me. It's Ryan. Ask anyone in the community, bro. Like that guy's deep as fuck, and he's just so passionate about helping people. You know. How about this as a counterpoint to that? Because I I don't disagree. Mm. And I think it's a beautiful notion, and you know. Hit me with it. Counterpoint, and this is coming from say the the community that we're familiar with, the movement community, where it's all about personal development my practice Mm. my coach has given me this workout three hours a day in the gym you you look at most of the movement practitioners we know they're grinding it out by themselves in a gym usually with earphones in or like it's a solo solo thing yeah we we chat to each other and man hey 
how fucked is that thing? Oh, how are you going with this? You know, like there's, yeah. there's an element of community to it, but it's largely an individual pursuit. Mm. Compare that to, and remember, I've been through this as well and I'm, I'm all about that, right? But compare that to someone that doesn't give a fuck about the movement community, someone that's out there um, providing medicine for someone, in, kids in Africa mm-hmm. in, a, in a part of the world where there's no resources and fucking no money. What's more important? The, and so what I'm pointing to here is I, th- I agree with you but I also think there's an endpoint to each of our personal development where it's like, yep, yeah, you must develop yourself. You have an obligation to work on yourself, work on these things. However, if all you do is work on yourself, mm. where does the point come where you share or you work or you help others or you start to contribute more towards the collective? I feel like this is where my relationship with studying the work of Paul Chick comes into the, the bigger image. Um, we're all in our, I believe that we're all in our personal journey of development. As you said, I'm still a young cat. What I'm doing in my idea of making an impact on the world at 27, I have no doubt is not going to be what I'll be doing when I'm 30 and 35 and so forth. I think we do the best with the tools that we've got. And right now I'm acquiring the skills and tools that I need to make the impact that I'm capable of at this point in life. And I have no doubt that as I acquire and develop further skills and education and experience, life experience, working with people, that the way I perceive value in helping others is going to continue to develop into a a broader audience, a broader way. And I mean, you've already noticed like the, the breath class that we do here, right? A lot of the message that I'm preaching there is to have a class that's free of expectations or sets for reps. Um, coming into the gym and not being satisfied unless you hit the target of what you set for that day. That's, you know, coming and having a goal, you're right, it's one thing. But not ha- not setting that goal, not achieving that goal and walking out of the gym disappointed in yourself is not healthy either, right? And I think that... Uh, I might push back on that a little bit, but continue on. You sure? Well, yeah, I don't want to disrupt your yeah. flow. Well, my point was that something that creatively that I've... I've picked out for myself that I think is important to preach within the community for other people is like to come into the gym and not have an expectation of how good are you compared to the person next to you, how strong are you compared to the person next to you, how long was your handstand compared to theirs, to actually intuitively come into a space where we can connect with other people, feel into our bodies how we do on that day and be moving as a form of nourishment and acceptance of where we are rather than wanting to push past and be better all the time. And it is a time and a place to push, but there's also a time and a place to pull back. You know? Yeah, I agree. Push forward and pull back. Polarity, which is like, yeah, that concept of yin and yang, um, working hard, resting hard. You can't do one without the other, in my opinion. But um, in regard to what you were saying with how far can you help other people being fixated in your own practice, I think that I, I personally believe that I need to go through the lessons that I'm gaining right now by pushing myself. Maybe I'll even get injured again. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll tear my hamstring and go, fuck, I'm pushing too hard again. We'll get you back on the show if you do that. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, pull me up on it, my bro. Um, but yeah, I think that 
we're all in certain stages of life in which we have ability to offer from the lessons that we've acquired through our experience and that what I'm offering right now is only a means of what I've learned so far. You know, I can only give what I've got to give. I'm not going to try and give what I don't know yet. And that's why I kind of stay in my lane as such. I'm not a big fan of the whole fake it till you make it. Try and preach that you're a guru when you're just a 26-year-old. I know, I know that I'm not yet. And that, um, that might be why I aspire to be in 20 years from now. But for now, I'm just sticking in my lane and doing what I know I can do to help people make an impact. Yeah, good response. I totally agree. And, you know, my point was not to, uh, to disagree. It was more just to, you know, I, I do see... Um, I think it's extremely important that people have their own journey that they go on and, and, and part of that is diving into skill sets and diving into your physicality but also other skill sets and like trying to master them, whatever it is, whether it's combat or it's academia or it's, mm. you know, um, uh, fucking, you know, crafting something out of timber, like whatever your thing is and it can be multiple things and there should be that period. I see with the movement thing, it's... Um, you know, I'm a bit cynical of the movement culture at large mm -hmm. because it, it preaches self-awareness and self-knowing and all these things. But, you know, what's the end point to that? If I'm a 45-year-old movement practitioner and I'm still hanging out in the park, yeah. playing the movement games by myself, and it's like, well, what are you actually bringing to... Mm -hmm. What are you actually contributing here? You, got, you know, I see some of these people, they don't... You know, there's not even a... Maybe they've got a couple students that come and go, but it's like, where's the actual impact? I agree. You know, and... You know, it's also if someone wants to do that with their time, that's you know power to them. That's that's great. You got that choice, but I do also think there's a um, is there maybe like a like a vanity to it. You know, I think that you know I'm sort of alerted to that as soon as I meet you know you meet someone and you're like oh what do you do and they're like oh I work for an NGO and we've just been over in Cambodia fucking you know getting water to these kids that fucking don't have water and you're like oh wow. Yeah. What have you been doing? Be like, oh, I've been following this really hard fucking bent arm phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, my elbow tendons are killing me. But in, in saying that, Joe, I heard Paul Check share something once. I'm a big fan of his work and it's true that he made this analogy of like cops need bad guys, bad guys need cops. Mark The, the fruit markets need grocers and grocers need fruit markets, right? Or like farmers, you could say. Yeah. Um, big pharma needs doctors and doctors need big pharma. Yeah. The student needs a teacher, the teacher needs a student. And you can follow that principle on to the end of time. Like we all need each other. We all have a place in the world. And maybe we are only here to be a movement practitioner and that's as far as we get in this lifetime, if you believe in that. Um, and maybe we extend that to the point that we, we broaden out into a larger philosophy and educational system. of. What Do we need white-collar criminals? Sorry? Do finance, like do forensic accountants need white collar criminals that's, that embezzle millions of dollars from honest, hardworking taxpayers? I'm just challenging the notion. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But it's like, well, what about all the scumbags? You could argue, well, we need them because the cops need someone to chase and the taxpayers need someone to lose their money to. I'd say on a, on a realistic level, probably not. We, we don't need them. But my point is for every, for every hat that's being worn, there's always the opposite of where they're playing a purpose in each other's roles. That's sort, that's sort of my point, that like if some people only get as far as like their idea of helping the world and making an impact is like, I'm going to teach this guy how to do a lizard crawl and um, do, a, do a Cossack into QDR fold or whatever the fuck it is. Some people get so passionate about that, that like their heart contracts to that so much that they feel that's what they've got to commit their life to and 
maybe that's just a stage of development. Maybe people don't break past the fact that, oh shit, I'm just dancing in a park with a few guys in my fifties. You know, <laughs> like, like you said, it's, when you look at it like that, it's like, fuck, is that all you really want to do in life? But then, I don't know, there's certain religions, you know, of like people that, like, I don't know, like Buddhists or monks to some, some regard where they, they owed their whole life to being in silence and limiting themselves of distractions and buying into something more because it's, it's a race that never ends and they're all f- forever pursuing something that's not here and now. Yeah. And they decide to just sit on a rock, smoke opium in the mountains until <laughs> they, they pass. And they smoke opium? Oh, just a, a, cl- a claim that my dad makes about, <laughs> about gurus that, um, you know, they, they become so enlightened that they, they take that vow to stay silent and just engage with nothing and be still forever. You know, it's true. Like, how does that change the world? Right, mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, if the if the world needs perhaps there's a vanity in this self mastery, <laughs> right? Maybe, bro. Just Maybe te- teach everyone to sit still. <laughs> um, but yeah, I actually had a funny conversation with a friend about this in Cronulla the other day. That people that claim to become enlightened as such, or they see that the world needs healing, and they they become ho- they develop a higher sense of awareness. You see, like a lot of these. Sorry for stereotypes, anyone listening, but these Byron Bay bindies that get in their vans and they become so enlightened that they go, oh, fuck the system. I'm not going to work. I'm just going to go chill and dance under the stars. Like, that's all well and good for you because you're escaping the system for yourself. But where is that contributing to helping others? Like you're saying, people that go and spend their lives travelling overseas to build camps, feeding people or um, attending to starvation and chronic thirst, like that's making a real impact on people, right? And I think... At one point, I kind of wanted to be that person that's like, oh, like, none of it matters, it's all made up. We could just run away into the stars and forget about it all, but that doesn't contribute to anything other than myself and my own fulfilment, my own validation, right? And in a nutshell, even though where I am at the moment as a practitioner, coach, whatever you want to call me, is mainly focused in the elements of movement, I have great intentions to further educate in... um, like I mentioned Paul Check just before, his integrated system of um, holistic health therapy, that's something that I see myself pursuing largely in the future. Um, our connection to each other, our connection to source, our connection to nature, the benefits of regenerating soil and being able to live sustainably in means of everything that we need to sustain life on Earth. Because I very much agree that it's, that's something that needs to be attended to for us to sustain life as humans. And um, that the earth is something that needs to be tended to. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Well, it's the source of all, right? Like the the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat. It's all a product of nature, which is beyond us. It's beyond our ego and our want to do a handstand or a push up. Um, I think seeing sense and purpose within the initial forms of practice, which for me has been yoga and doing um these movement practices. I've definitely taken the initial lessons, but I know they go much further than that. They expand outward from myself. Goes from the I to the we to the all. That's another preaching of Paul Checks, you know. Um, the first stage of opening your level of awareness begins with self, self-awareness and reflection. Then the ability to integrate that awareness and empathy and compassion to others, each other, the community, people you love and care about. And then beyond that, outwards to what holds that together, which is our food, our abilities to sustain ourselves and have a healthy quality of life right and i think that's um do me a favor just get that mic a bit closer to you 
We're going quiet again, bro. Yeah, you're drifting a little bit as you're yep. going deeper. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Paradox. But yeah. That, it's in the a yin and yang. Yeah. In, in a nutshell, though, that's, that's sort of my point, you know. I guess at 27, I see I am where I am doing what I'm doing. I have baseline level and knowledge of breath, movement practices and um, healthy lifestyle habits. And I, I aim to continue educating myself so I can use that knowledge to benefit broader and broader and broader scopes and audiences of people and even outside of people like to contribute to the health and restoration of the planet so we can all stay here keep doing mad shit keep laying in the sun and enjoying how beautiful life is you know tell me the so the way the way that you know the the thinking and the depth to that that you have you know that you've touched on you said ask any of my mates they'll tell you mm. you know was that um do you know where that came from? Is that something that was taught or Ooh, cultivated? Now we're going deep, bruv. Yeah, did you get a hold of some Scientology books early on in the piece? I, I think there's a few levels to that. Anyone that knows me well enough knows that I dabbled, I dabbled a little in plant medicines when I was well, actually a bit more little, let's say, between um, 18 and probably 21. I went quite deep with those things. You're talking mushrooms? Mushrooms, LSD. DMT as well. Yeah. Um, I had a few connections of guys that taught me a whole bunch of things, and I always kind of had been drawn to nature. Full stop. I, like I said, I started surfing when I was young, and always found I felt most home and connected to myself when I was in natural environments, opposed to playing PlayStation or jumping online and being fixed on a screen. You know, that wasn't me. Um, I actually asked my dad about this a few years ago too, and he said that when I was young. I would always ask like real deep questions you wouldn't expect to hear from a four-year-old and a five-year-old and, and things like that, which I don't really recall. I think I've always been a deep thinker and stuff, but um, yeah, just huge, huge on observing things. And, and I try to observe myself as much as others because that's, that's the thing, right? We can all have opinions of the world and how things need to change without looking inward at ourselves. And there's a saying, um, if you want to see the world change, then you need to start. Yeah, you need to start at you. If you want everyone else to pick up their weight and make the world a better place, what are you? What are you doing yourself first to do that? And um, I, I've been inspired by Jordan Peterson. You would be familiar, clinical psychologist. Familiar. A lot of his work. I've just make like, your bed. Yeah, get up, make your bed. Incremental change. Um, when I when I hear someone preach something that resonates truth to me, and it it triggers something in me that makes me reflect on something I know I could do that I'm not doing, but if I did it, it would make my life easier, better, and maybe even have a good impact on others. I'm like, fuck yeah, that guy is on the money. We should do that. We should stop not doing that and start doing that. And and that that comes down to like, yeah, make your fucking bed. Or like stop drinking alcohol every day. Stop complaining you've got a headache when you stayed up till midnight drinking. You know, like I used to do all this shit. I remember I had a good mate, Sam, from Ingleburn that we grew up with. Me and Kyron both grew up with this guy. He's um, a Brambolt in shits, actually. He came. Good man. Of, yeah, he, proper mad dog. Shout out to you, Sam, if you're listening. But um, he made a point once when I was younger and I remember I was like, I don't want to be like my dad when I'm fucking 50 or whatever, you know? And he's like, no offense, bro. Like, I love you, but what makes you think you're not going to be like him? And I'm like, why? What are you, what are you saying? You know, my heart, my heart dropped, bro. And he's like, well... You know, he, he drinks a lot every day and you're going home and drinking a lot every day and you're kind of doing the same job as him. You're doing everything he's doing. How do you think you're not going to be like him? 
And my eyes just lit up. I was like, holy shit, this guy's wise. When really it's simple, you know? Just that ability to reflect on yourself and how you, how you carry and the actions and decisions that you make, it's everything. So I think that's, um, yeah, I could, go on, I could go on and on on this topic till the end of the potty, bruv, but it's... Um, it's, self- always, it's always been in you. Yeah, yeah, and it's, there's another element to that as well. I wasn't too sure whether I wanted to bring it up while we're having a chat, but it's true and it's real, you know. My um, my mum had a lot of health problems throughout my childhood, on and off, and right after I had my car accident a few months later, she had a stroke and she'd been having like on and off health concerns for a few years before that. And she had like a bit of a problem with drugs and stuff throughout my um, my childhood. And then through seeing how that ended up manifesting into a reality, her decisions accumulated and ended up proving what she'd been doing the last few years, you know, by making wrong decisions, not, so, not showing up for herself in a way that was supporting her health or supporting her family. That ended up having an impact on her to the degree that she became permanently brain damaged by having a stroke, right? And I think, obviously, the more emotionally attached we are to something, the more energy we pour into it. I'm sure we can all vouch for that, right? I was extremely, and am still, extremely emotionally attached to my mum. And seeing her go through what she did and reflect on what it was that led that to happening to her was quite insightful. Very painful, but quite insightful. Seeing that decisions that she made over and over again continuously led to a point where something happened that she couldn't take back anymore and it's like well fuck once that's done you can't change it you've just got to learn to live with it and maybe try and do something positive with it which i'm sure you can probably see the dots connect now as a result of um going through that accident the injury taking my health for granted watching my mum do it and then go through this traumatic sad experience it um just became like a very powerful driving force to not only not make the same mistakes but also go the total other direction and make good decisions to make good things happen in the world for myself and other people. Big, powerful lessons to be experienced as a, or to be learned as a young man. Yeah. Yeah, and like a lot of people like, if I share this stuff, they're like, wow, that must be very vulnerable and hard to admit, but it's actually not because it's true and I've taken something positive from it and I can will I want it or I can be I could feel sorry for myself and play victim, which I, I don't. I just try to take what I can from it that's of service and benefit to keep moving forward and become a better and stronger person for it. It's just that simple, you know. Um, maybe not everyone sees it that way, but that's kind of I don't see anything else that you can do with it. You, if you will I want it and go try and fall back to escapism and bad toxic patterns of behaviors. It's just going to take you further and further to your worst nightmare rather than going the opposite way towards your most craved, beautiful dream of life that you want to live. And that's, that's what I want. Do you, do you have any kind of challenge these days with going back to old habits? No, I don't think so. I still, no word of a lie, like I still dabble. I still have a drink a couple of times a week. I might have a cocktail every now and again and I just know my limits. I think I allow myself to I allow myself to dabble and 
have fun to a degree that it's not being a detriment to the bigger goal or objective. You know? Yeah. If I can do something and it's not preventing me from waking up, it's not preventing me from getting my training done, having a clear mind to continue studying and um, furthering to educate myself, then I don't see it as an issue. If something that I'm falling back into out of impulsive um, impulsiveness, if that's having a tendency to impact the results that I'm yielding in achieving the bigger thing, then I, I grab a hold of that awareness and I attend to it then. But I haven't had that issue in a long time now. I think the thing I'm maybe even in a way of taken those habits and redirected them towards training, redirected them towards my breath practice and my lifestyle practices, you know? Yeah. Which is common. You hear, you hear about that in a lot of guys. Guy, I actually watched a doco on this dude that had like drug addictions and stuff and he ended up turning to big wave surfing for his adrenaline rush and now he's just fully hooked on big wave surfing and he's straight sober but he openly admits if he didn't surf, he doesn't even know if he'd be here because that's his thing now. Yeah, and he needs that vice, you know. Yeah, needs that fix. Yeah, most certainly. I'd like to um, change change sort of lanes there a little bit. Mm. Tell me about the transition from from concreting, being on job site, you know, all the stuff, drinking at work, hanging out with the boys, you know, all the stuff that's associated with that. And I I can resonate with that. Having been in the film industry, it was a real teams to kind of vibe. Yeah, you know, big hours no sort of concern for your personal health and just work hard, play hard, that whole piece, neglect every other thing in your life. Yeah. Um, the transition there though, sort of spiritually into, uh, or actually spiritually, but also like practically mm. because you were making great money. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the big one, right? And yeah. then to come here and work at Jungle Brothers, you've moved to Sydney. I'm actually, I'm still living in Wollongong, but I, I bunk with Corin a few okay. days a week. Yeah. Uh, okay, right on. Currently. So, you know, how does that work in terms of like, like talk to me about some of the hurdles there, making enough money. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, certainly. Not man. feeling like you've just gone backwards because often it's like, well, fuck, I used to make this, now I'm making this. For sure, for sure. But yeah, I guess that comes back to what do we identify success as, right? And for me, the success is the quality of life that I experience inside and outside of myself. So, um. I think, yeah, it's been challenging, most certainly having make, I guess with the concrete as wage, it's, it's tricky because you convince yourself you're making big bank because you might yield five, six grand out of a job. But then if it rains for three weeks, straight after that, you don't work for three weeks. If, if that happens, then that five grand becomes divided by four. And it's not so well of a good wage anymore, right? Yeah. And there's all these hidden expenses that pop, out, uh, pop up out of nowhere, like wages and insurances and super and all this shit you don't account for when you're making quotes you kind of look week to week, not in the bigger picture. Um, so yeah, there's definitely been a transition of, of expenses. Like I'm not paying as much money in expenses anymore, though I'm not making as much either, right? And I think the biggest one has been, you'd probably have a good term for this, but the, the process of delivering my product now is much, much different. I guess before I might have a chat to someone on the phone and confirmed to go have a look at this job takes 10 minutes phone call you go out there measure it up within an hour you've worked out the quote you send it off and there might be a potential to yield you know six eight grand out of that job it's one person that you communicate with you get the job you do it you work hard for three four days on your own accord show it when you want do it when you want you get paid and then you're sweet whereas with this moving into coaching you're communicating with so many people all the time i'm not used to being in such 
depth of, of depth of vulnerability communication with people quite um, consistently. Like people come in, they express that they've got this injury that they want to get over, and they um they're pretty keen to do PT, but they don't know if they can afford it. And you're like, oh, can you? Can you not? And then they might come do one session for a hundred dollars and never come back. It's like shit. A lot of time went into just making that one one sale, right? And I'm still learning how to find my feet there because I'm having um. I'm having to engage with a lot of people to make a lot less money. Whereas before, have one chat to one guy for an hour, send him his quote, work my ass off for a few days and I'm sweet for a month. Whereas now it's very, very different. But in saying that, um, I'm meeting people. I'm learning. I'm engaging in conversations that I relate to. I'm not, um, like you said, some of the guys that you kick around with in trade, they're pretty rough guys. Um, a lot of them have big hearts and you know they do the best with what they can with what they've got great people yeah exactly like for same as us just some yeah whatever yeah well some of these the guys I used to work with now they laugh at me bro they're like oh you and your yoga you fucking weirdo and they they think it's funny they see me on the odd occasion I'll still do a couple of days just to stock up on cash you know cash is king always do a little bit of it when we need it and yeah when I go back and do some days for these guys and I'm stretching before work and stuff they just observe me like I'm some sort of foreign animal like what is this guy doing you know they think it's so strange but um i I wouldn't say i've struggled letting go of the guys that i was surrounded by because of the habits that they all kind of dabble in and and whatnot like it's don't stop if it's hot and it's 40 degrees and you're concreting but the concrete's going hard don't stop and have a drink of water you you tend to the work first and then you come back to eat and drink and sustain yourself right yeah and I think that's one that comes just with concreting because you've got this tiny window of time from when you put it on the ground to when it's rock hard. And if you don't get it set the way it needs to be set to meet standards within that time, it all has to be pulled out, jackhammered out, excavated Job's out, redone. Fun. Job's completely fucked. That's right. And that becomes a very expensive fuck up. So you kind of put your health secondary before the job because... Makes you, sense. Yeah. It's, it's very... From the moment you put it on the ground, there's always anxiety, you know? Even with the rain, so if it rains, it destroys the job. If it gets too windy and it dries too quickly, it ruins the job. And people get fickle, you know, because you get these humans that have spent 30, 40 years saving to build their dream house. They put the last thing down, which is the driveway, and they're looking at every little thing, bro. It's like, how perfect is this driveway for our dream home we've always wanted? And if there's one thing out of place, they'll pick at it, and they don't pay until it's fixed. So... Yeah, sure. I'm not making as mu- as much money, and there's a few challenges, but at least I don't have to deal with that shit anymore. Like that's great. That's awesome. You know, day to day, much more happier, um, living a healthier lifestyle, no doubt. I've got the freedom to learn. I've got the freedom to train. I'm hanging out with absolute legends in this gym. Community's awesome. So, I think I, I, overall, I'm not too sad. I'm just learning to adjust. Yeah, and I have a lot of faith that where my heart lies and um, the intentions I have, where my values are set. I'm, I'm going to do good. I'm going to make something of myself, bros. Declared here on the show. Yeah. Until time eternal. Yeah. Yeah, I don't doubt it, man. And I think something else that we touched base on just before we jumped on, um, Zentai Shiatsu, this bodywork practice that's quite new to me. I've only been practicing for a bit over 12 months now, but ever since feeling drawn towards this physical hands-on practice, like we mentioned earlier, I'm a deep thinker, right? Quite a, uh, what'd you say? I'm quite an emotional, vulnerable human. 
And wait, I didn't say that. You said that. Yeah, I said that. Yeah, most certainly. But that's I'm a deep I would, thinker. I wouldn't describe you as vulnerable necessarily. Well, open. O- o- open. 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 Yeah. There we go. Better word of choice. But um, I've noticed since practicing this body work, I made a little post about it. Um, it's a way that I can express myself physically. I can utilize my knowledge of the body and I can utilize my essence of spirituality, if you want to call it that, whatever you want to call it. Um, my emotional openness also comes into a part of caressing and healing someone's body, right? And I wasn't getting that um, cup filled from PT as such. Still love PT. It's physical. I'm ticking that box and it's, um, it's dabbling in anatomy and studying the body, which also ticks a box. I love that. Because the PT is mostly more mechanical, strength, mobility. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But as we said, this deep thinking part of me, this intuitive spiritual essence of me, as you wish, um, or as I wish. Fuck, I hope your concrete <laughs> mates are listening to this. Oh, I love it yeah. too. I hope my old man hears this one. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like that cup is being very much filled from this bodywork practice and I'm really fucking excited to see what comes from that because um, it's only been a short time and I'm already progressively making more, yeah, more progress with the bodywork stuff than what I had been with the PT. And I guess it's also a niche market. Not a lot of people dabble in this, this bodywork practice. Yeah. Whereas there's a shitload of handstand practitioners, a shitload of Edo students, a shitload of powerlifters. Um, so yeah, I think moving into something that's a bit more niche and seems like it's well aligned with me as a person, I think there's big potential there for me. Excited to see where that goes. What is it? Zentai Shiatsu. It's a combination of Zen Shiatsu, which is a Japanese practice, traditional Thai yoga massage, and osteo- Western-influenced osteopathic techniques and adjustments. So it's um, soft tissue releasing, joint mobilization, soft tissue hydration, partner stretching. Um, yeah, wow. nearly like osteopathic chiropractic adjustments all in one practice. Um, the mentor, the man himself, Gwyn Williams, is the guy that had been learning from up in the Sunshine Coast. He describes it as like it's a dance it's a dance between two bodies and it's a conversation it's an unspoken conversation of which you're constantly listening to the person's body and they're listening to the way you're communicating with their body through the means of touch physical touch um a lot of the principles that come with partner stretching or like in yoga practices where you you'll say when you're entering a stretch of end range you find someone's edge and we can use the breath and the the, um, we can use the breath and the expansion and contraction of the breath to either move further, deeper and relax deeper into a stretch, right? And it's sort of the same thing with the physical touch and soft tissue releasing where like if you move too far into someone's space too quickly, um, stretch reflexes ring off, central nervous system's freaking out and you can't get them to relax to benefit from the practice. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's a lot of intuition and tuning into what's happening with someone's body and how they're responding to you entering their space for them to actually benefit from it. So it's very easy to do it well, but it's also very easy to fuck it up and make it an unenjoyable practice, you know? But it's, it's quite special, you know? I've only been doing it for a little while, but everyone I've shared it with so far has had a lot of good things to say about it. And me and Kyron practice on each other a little bit when we want to, when we have time to, I should say, at the moment. But... um. We're actually going to be running a workshop, two workshops. There's, going, there's one that we're running down at Wollongong 
within the next month or two at the Yoga Hive. And it's going to be based on entry levels of partner acrobatics. So doing some of that acro yoga stuff, propping people up in the air. Yep. The principles I've just touched on of um, intuitive touch, partner stretching and some entry level sequences of body work. And we're also going to run another workshop up here at a yoga studio in Kensington or Paddington, I believe it is. Um, and who knows, maybe JB's. Right. Yeah. You haven't organised one here yet? I'm doing this workshop that I've been organising of Dill's first weekend of April, okay. I believe. But that's going to be touching base on the Czech principles of holistic lifestyle coaching rather, ah, rather okay. than Zentai Shiatsu. Yeah. I'm just looking at, I see something on the board there, but it's yeah. on Jan 28. Yeah, he pushed it back because we didn't get time to promote it Fair and get, get anything filmed up over the new year. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Okay, so the so the one that you're doing here at JB's, which April or something, more going to be around the integrated health piece. Yeah. Whereas the Zentai Shiatsu thing, that's what's going on at these yoga spots. Yeah, I'd fucking love you to do one of those here. Yeah, I think everyone would love it, man. Like I had a little bit of exposure to something very much like it through Bruce Scott. Yeah. You know him? I haven't. But called the Body Magician. Yeah, cool. He's in Coogee. Yeah. And uh, I had a real hard time articulating what he does in his sessions, but he basically is like has a room just with a little kind of mat and he's like yep lay on the mat and then he just starts manipulating your body yeah, and before you, and you, before you know it, you're like up up in the air and you know and he's a you know I'm, I'm i'm probably carrying a bit extra weight but he's just like hanging me and pulling you apart dude and every single time we did it i would fall into the deepest sleep yeah the deepest sleep yes. and and he said he would say oh man you you you, you went he said you were gone like real early today he's like <laughs> he's like i was gone while i was in the air and then he's still doing shit and then puts me on the ground and i wake up and i'm just asleep in this thing and he's, he's off to the side of the room practicing his breath i'm like whoa how long have you been here yeah, for yeah what just happened right so i i'm yeah i really it's it's quite it's quite a uh, it's quite an impactful therapy yeah oh, certainly man i think it's something that another principle I, i'd kind of taken from learning under Gwyn with this practice. He uses this analogy. He says, we learn the dance to forget the dance. And I didn't know what he meant initially, but it applies to a lot of things. Like when we learn how to drive a car, we learn to drive the car to forget how to drive the car. So we just drive it. You learn the drills in jits to forget the drills to just do jits. And so it, you mean so that the things become subconscious? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when like when I was learning bodywork practice initially, these initial gestures, you get so caught in your head of am I executing these the same way he is? Am I doing it right? To the degree that intuitive touch falls away, and it just becomes this clunky on and off poking of the body that's very uncomfortable and unnurturing, you know. And then it gets to like it took me a while, probably a good six months of practicing can consecutively to get to a point where I could do away with the ideas of like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Where I can just have someone laying in front of me and just start manipulating, feeling, assessing their body and I guess intuitively discovering where it is that they need treatment opposed to like, I'm going to repeat this 28 or 35 um, repetitive gestures on you because it's the only pattern I know how to do. Yeah. Because you know? like you learn this initial level one sequence, which is 90 minutes and you... You learn that to the back of your hand where you don't need the book to reference anymore. And you get really good at that. Um, and then there's a whole other level of like 800 gestures beyond that where 
eventually it's, I guess I would imagine it's quite similar to jiu-jitsu even Nate because Nate's dabbled in a bit of this sentai as well um, me and him are actually yeah we're doing our therapist training this year he made that point it's like a, a yin a, a yin version of jits yeah right, jits is yang and then this is like a, a yin version to that um, and yeah it's super cool interlocking limbs and exploring movement and the the means of physical touch there's so many elements to a way you can impact people through this physical treatment it's it's quite a beautiful practice yeah that's exciting man yeah i'm um i'm pumped to see where you go with that i think it's um you know like you said it's it's kind of niche and it's it's a it's a necessary thing like we all know it you see it in the gym you teach in a class whatever you get people touching each other in a drill or a warm-up game or something and people's fucking spirits light up yeah you know that i think that's why people love jiu-jitsu so much because you just get touched and squeezed and oh yeah even if it's coming from even if the intention is to attack it's still this physical like mechanical thing connecting with people yeah yeah and i think particularly here in the west we just lack it yeah um so yeah i think it's beautiful that that you guys are diving into that i see a cool opportunity I think like a another thing is too that sort of came full circle here, but that point I made about the class I'm teaching downstairs is that it lets go. It lets go of any expectation of where you should be and how you should do it. For the person receiving, they just have this opportunity to just totally let go of all tension, let go of their thoughts, let go of what their body should feel like or where it should be going or moving, and you're just fully holding responsibility for someone for a sixty to ninety minutes and. I don't think we realise sometimes how much benefit can come just from fucking stopping for once. Because yep. the world doesn't say stop. The world says come here, buy this, tune this, sign up to this, pay for this, buy this, go here. There's just this, you know, you know, it's like with social media, the world we live in, everything is always grabbing at you. Come here, do this, be this, buy that. And then we have this one opportunity to just sit down and like you said, 60, 90 minutes goes by, you, wait, you open your eyes and you go, holy shit, did I just go to another world? Like, I haven't done that in so long. And it, me and Corinne have both had, like, clients now that unexpectedly just, just break down and cry during practice. Wow. I've had a few people just absolutely break down and cry in front of me. And I'm like, holy shit, like, have I done something? Initially, I'm like, have I done something? Have I triggered you? And at the end, they're just, I haven't been touched like that in my life. I've never been touched in such a way that I've felt held like a baby since I was a baby. And, you know, like, maybe a lot of vulnerability in that for some people, you know, but... I think it's extremely healing. I think it's good to slow the fuck down and just do nothing for a while and let go of tension, let go of thoughts and lay yourself to stop. Yeah. Maybe I'll do a session on you sometime, bro. I'd love to. Yeah. Please it'd do. I'm going to be awesome. Yeah. Pay for it. It'd be, it'd be a pleasure. Yeah, we should do it. We'll tee that up. Okay. Hell yeah. Mate, um, good spot to wrap it on. Tell me where can people find you? Your socials and yeah. the events yeah. and stuff. Um, Instagram world's best friend now these days i'm on instagram you can find me through jungle brothers page um i'm on facebook but don't use it so much i'm actually going to be branding myself um within the next couple of months i've been meaning to do it for a while but just haven't made the time i'm going to brand myself and actually have a set of colors and intentions and maybe try and get something a bit more professional promoted up online may open a website and all that kind of stuff it's um doesn't come naturally as concrete though joey We'll just have to, might, might have to get a spare set of hands when I wrap that together. But for the time being, just Instagram, bro. I'm on Instagram as Ryan Jackson with two C's in Jackson. And I've got a few posts that are collaborated up on the JB's page as well. So anyone can find me there. Awesome. Yeah. And can people find information about the upcoming workshops there as well? Yeah, there's going to be a 
post going out next week, I believe. I've spoken to Dills. We're going to get a post to, a post to come up to post on the um, the JB's Instagram in regard to the Holistic Lifestyle Principles Workshop that'll be running on the first weekend of April. And I'm also going to collaborate a few posts with Kyron up on my Instagram. that will have details of venues, dates around the Zentai introductory bodywork workshops as well. Awesome. Yeah. So if you're listening, get on that. I'll put a link to Ryan's Instagram and, and the gym one as well on the, um, on the show notes for this. So you can hook up there. Bro, thanks for sharing your story today. Thank you very much, my man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for listening. Yeah, cheers. And guys, hey, if you really enjoyed the episode, please show some love for the show. Share that episode with a friend helps to spread the message of what we're doing and and get these conversations out there and that means the world to us. Thank you and we'll see you next week. Legend.